0: 7-4, Tango Whiskey, 2.6 for 3000, 140 on heading.
1: everybody, welcome to Frequent Flyer. Here it is Friday, May 12, 2023. And man, whatever are we going to talk about tonight? All kinds of shit. Draft lottery was on Monday, though that feels like it happened about three weeks ago at this point. And uh, if you haven't heard, if you've been living under a rock, Danny Breer, officially named GM. And Keith Jones! broadcaster extraordinaire named president of hockey ops along with Dan Hilferty and Val Camillo and John Tortorella. They represent the menage a trois of leadership over the fuck it is. They called him earlier, but uh, lots of stuff to uh, dissect here. And uh, so the brotherly puck award-winning show is back to help us with this one. Mike Isito
2: as always Mike. What's going on? Good evening, gentlemen. Great to be with you as always. I I'm shocked. I did not see Keith Jones actually coming into the fray here. This is absolute bedlam at the Wells Fargo Center. I guess you would call it. Bedlam but, uh, across the street from the bank. Yeah, yeah, across the street. Lot to dig into tonight, guys.
1: And uh, Manny Benavidez is back, Manny.
0: How's Salutations going? and greetings to both of you. What a busy week in Flyerland. And I know that there are many listeners that tune in because they want, you know, unfiltered, honest opinions, summations of what happened this week in Flyerland. So let me just put it to you this way, uh, listeners. It was the Christmas story. That's right, the Christmas story. We've got a front office full of virgins. We've got we went through a draft lottery and we have no savior. Thanks, Chicago, bunch of bastards. Uh, we might have a star, a new star coming, but we don't know yet because there's a bunch of you know the same type of star out there at seven where the Flyers are drafting. And uh well based on that dais that we saw today at the press conference, I don't know if I could spot three wise men on that on that table, on that panel. So there you go, ladies and gentlemen. It was the Christmas freaking story this week in Philadelphia Flyers land.
1: I've been waiting for this show for 48 hours now. It was Wednesday afternoon-ish that the uh, Keith Jones rumors broke, which was a name out of fucking left field, by the way. I don't think we heard that one until it broke that he was even, you know, a finalist. Uh, the Eddie Olchuk one was the one that was uh, rolling around there for a little while, but I'm ready to do this show because it has been. It is much easier to talk about this stuff verbally than it is trying to put my feelings on Twitter. Mainly because the average, you know, reading comprehension age is about third grade. Uh, the reading level of uh, Flyers fans, so it's very difficult to. Um, and that's median, by the way. So a lot of them are down in you know, the first grade whatever. Idiots is what I'm saying. So it's very nice to come on here and get our thoughts out here on paper. And um, I'll open up first by. You know, saying something nice about the Flyers' front office because I know they love when Dan the Flyer fan says nice things about them. This was a smart play from their part. Whether it works out, completely different story. But if you remember, just a few months ago, this fan base was ready to fucking French Revolution these idiots. And now. Eating out of the palm of their hand because they hired two of their favorite people in Danny Breer and Keith Jones. And just like that, the fucking pressure's off. They got nothing going. Now, the biggest problem, Danny Breer and Keith Jones have a combined zero days experience in front offices as president and GM. And that is where our story starts and our paths diverge tonight. The hell qualifies Keith Jones to be president and how did Danny Briere win this GM job completely uncontested? What the fuck happened here, boys?
2: Man, it's it's very perplexing. You know, I think looking at this from a high level, I have not seen a front office composed like this one in virtually the history of sports. Um Inexperience begets inexperience in this situation. You have Dan Hilferty coming in who has zero experience in sports management, in sports ownership, in sports generally. Uh, He's probably watched a couple of games over the years during his time as CEO of Blue Cross Blue Shield. Dan comes in and works with Val Camillo, who is the president uh, of the business operations side now. Also, zero experience in hockey decisions and sports decisions. And those two essentially are the brain trust with the hiring firm to bring in two guys that were already in the organization. Yeah. (laughs) And – did you
1: hear his fucking quote today by the way i don't mean to interrupt you but the one where he he searched far and wide it was an exhaustive search to find keith jones and i'm like he's three fucking doors down the hallway that you share with him right now this worldwide search that you needed firms for brought you to fucking keith jones like
2: i think it's you know and let me say this too is that i think that this could work i'm probably fairly lukewarm on it. I, I do see a lot of positives with the selections they made, but it is just bizarre. It's strange to think about. Um, and I'm still trying to process how they're gonna move forward here. I mean, we have folks that literally have zero experience in their roles. Danny Briere is the most experienced person in hockey who's running the Flyers right now. <laughs> which is
1: crazy with one year as uh, Chuck Fletcher's right hand, man. Yeah.
2: One year under Chuck Fletcher in a made up role. And that's his experience as an NHL executive. Yep. I mean, that's gotta be unprecedented. What say you Manny? Um,
0: I, I'm a a little bit different of an opinion from you guys. I, I thought that the Jones hire was a fairly good one. At least it sounds like a good one. And he's saying all the right things. From the press conference itself, Dan Hilferty is much more articulate than Dave Scott ever was. Oh yes. yeah, sure. oh, yeah. Um, not even and close. and you yeah. could tell that there's a slickness, there's a he really knows how to how to speak to people and to get his message across. And I thought it was an interesting dynamic to see, you know, all five of those particular individuals on that stage at the same time for this opening press conference. And they are rebranding it, you know, a new era of orange or whatever it was that uh, that was the, uh, the tagline. Um, I am a bit perplexed with the process and I do have questions about the process itself and sort of how they were selecting and whittling down candidates. Um, I thought that at times, um, I wanted to believe them and I did believe them and I thought they were truthful for the vast majority of it. There was a couple of instances where I thought, you know, really, I think you're trying to sell uh, a little bit of uh, a bill of goods there. They keep talking about how we're, uh, we're, we're into this process now. Um, and I, again, I think that that's a little bit presumptuous. It's nice that we have, you know, the seasons that we did from, you know, York and Cates and Frost and a couple of other players. But I think that they're putting a lot of eggs in that basket and assuming that everything's going to go swimmingly next year and the year after that. And the the real uh, problem with this is, uh, you know, talk is cheap. And they, they said a lot of good things at this press conference today. They did. I'm going to give you the Flyers credit. They did a good press conference today. However, the elephant in the room is the team still lacks elite talent.
2: Finger man. Got,
0: they got no favors at the NHL draft. And I still fail to see where this team is going to be coming up with elite talent. And some of the guys that are there at seven – May they pan out and be a first-line player? Maybe, but they might not. And they might be second-line players. And you know what? I'm sorry, but I'm not interested in having a roster full of second-line players. This team needs to come up with a real plan of let's move some players. Let's do the subtraction that John Tortorella was talking about. Because if you are actually in a rebuild, you do need to send at least one or two of these guys packing and moving on and recouping assets and getting this process accelerating as Mikey described uh, a few weeks ago when we recorded.
2: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. The thing with this, I mean, I think one of the positives that I took from this and, and as you mentioned, Manny, it really relates to Keith Jones coming in. I mean, I've heard Keith Jones for probably, I don't know, 15, 25 years in Philadelphia, whether that be, as a broadcaster on the Flyers or on the morning show with Angelo Cataldi, where he was, you know, doing fart jokes and whatnot, which was just crazy to see that guy, you know, get this title on. But he is a, he's a very, very smart guy. And I was thinking about this earlier today. I don't think that Keith Jones is going to tie his legacy to these little bitch boys like Travis Sanheim and, you know, year 17 of Sean Couturier. I do not think he's gonna let that happen. And I know that he's in the president structure and Danny's controlling things. But one of the things I did like about this press conference, too, is that I think the reports before the Jones hire were that the president is not going to have that much of a say in the hockey decisions. It's going to be more of a marketing role or you know, sponsorship thing. But I didn't really get that feeling from the press conference. I got the feeling that Jones is actually going to be involved to some extent with Danny and Torts um, at least for the first year or two here, which is encouraging. I mean, that's how it probably should be. And. I don't think that Jones is going to let this spin out of control and his reputation go down the tubes because they have these stiffs on the team right now. So I kind of use that as a backstop of hope here. um, But that's, you know, kind of one of the things that I latched onto in terms of positivity here. There
1: is something sexy about the unknown that these two possess Briere and Jones. And, you know, my guy was Ray Shiro. That was the guy I really, really wanted in this front office. But people then would have gone, oh, here's a bad trade he made in Pittsburgh in 2008. You know, he can't be a good GM because they did it with Chuck Fletcher as well. But Brent Burns, I traded Brent Burns. You know. But hiring Jones and Briere, you are basing this solely off of their passion. And that was the takeaway from this press conference. And it's, again, there's something sexy about that. And I think it's what really rallied the fans, right? Two recognizable names with the fucking war. We're going to change. We're going to bring it back to what we all knew. You know, that whole fucking gimmick. But you're relying on that passion and just that passion because there's zero fucking anything else that qualifies them for these roles. And so much of this is going to hinge on Danny Briere and his capabilities as general manager. If this guy ends up being Chuck Fletcher Jr., this ship is sunk before it leaves the fucking port. That's the problem. And now Jones... and, and The original impression was that this guy was going to be... A business guy, the the, the president, rather, was going to be in the business side, not really hockey ops, and they're going to focus on the salary cap and all that shit, but, I mean, he sounds like he's coming in and being Mr. Cheerleader and working at least semi-relatively in the hockey side. You know, he's going to give his input, and Greer's the final say, I believe, is what somebody fucking said today, you know, and Tortorella's going to have a say in there as well Was the three of them there, so it could work. And I feel like I have to highlight that phrase as much as I possibly can, because every time I say that and then follow it up with very real questions and complaints at this point about their qualifications, people focus on the fucking negative. They're like, oh, yeah, you're so negative. I've heard that a hundred fucking times on Twitter over the last few days. But it could work. But... It is a fucking risk at this point to run with two people with zero qualifications, other than they were former flyers and they have passion and blah, 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 blah. zero track record. Because if they don't, if they, if they cannot transition their hockey smarts, Keith Jones. I think every fucking person has ever come out of the woodwork over the last couple of days about Keith Jones. He's a great guy. He's smart. He's got all these. Guys. I'm sure he does. That's not a question. He's a great broadcaster. I absolutely love him on TV. I'm devastated that the fucking Scott Hartnell's going to get bumped up as fucking uh, Jack fucking partners oh for a while. Oh yeah, you didn't think about that one, out. did you?
0: <laughs>
1: it's like Jesus spare me. It, <laughs> you know, it, it is just a matter of whether or not these guys can do their jobs, and that's a valid fucking question. There's a lot on the table here right now. This is not easy. This is the most tumultuous time in franchise history. As Manny alluded to, no fucking talent. You got shafted in the draft lottery. You know, this is just this just boils down to do they have the balls to figure this shit out. And that is a very real, very big potential problem they face. And luckily, we're gonna know real quick. Two months from today, the draft and free agency are going to be over. We'll know goddamn well what their plan is. And if they if this team gets run back primarily as is, no big names are out, no big names are in, all the fucking prospects are still in Lehigh, and this roster... then oh, <laughs> the Flyer fans are not going to be fucking happy about that one. But, but, we'll wait and see. All I'm saying is, there is definitely reason to be skeptical about this hiring. That's all I'm trying to fucking say here.
0: And, and you know what? I couldn't agree more. That's where I'm totally on side with both you and Mike. I All the rumor and innuendo about, well, the new president of Hockey Ops is going to be a, a marketing and branding person. And they're going to be basically in charge of the cap. So, like, I'm sitting there thinking, like, really? So Keith Jones is gonna be sitting there with a fucking
2: calculator. <laughs> no and, way he has cap responsibilities. You Zero. know, and,
0: and and yeah, and and an Excel spreadsheet in front of him. And he's gonna know like when's the optimal time to put this guy on LTIR? And when's the, the optimal way. time to yeah. like bullshit? I'm really I am encouraged, as Mike said, that this sounds like a much more traditional power structure. Um, I, I kind of before we hopped on I asked Anthony Sanfilippo um, what made him continue to say that this is a unique um, sort of uh, arrangement and he basically said uh, well it's a triumvirate it's it's was uh, oh, that what it's called yeah yeah,
1: yeah.
0: so it's it's Danny Breer as GM it's Keith Jones as the president but it's also John Tortorella as the head coach. Um, I, I haven't got a chance to respond to him as of yet, but I will say that I will push back a little bit. It's not unprecedented. This has been done before the Toronto Maple Leafs, when they got Brendan Shanahan and they had, you know, they, they had their head coach, you know, they had Babcock and I think Babcock was there before brennan Shanahan, i can't remember the timeline here but they also had lamorello as gm they have dave Nonis as gm they they also had like a kind of a, a three-headed monster uh in terms of making hockey decisions and everything else and it was in the middle of their rebuild so going forward i would say that this isn't a totally unique thing but i'm glad that dan hilferty in the press conference admitted that you know what This arrangement has been done at other NHL clubs before, and we're kind of doing that here. I am very encouraged and happy to see that. I don't want Keith Jones with a freaking calculator, you know, with the sin cos, tan and all the sine cosine and Texas instrument. Yeah. 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 I don't want the freaking the solar panel going off on him. And, you know, the calculator is up in up in flames. (laughs) I want him to, if Danny, you know, if there's a big move, that Danny Brier goes to him and says, Hey, look, we're going to trade. We're thinking of trading this guy. You know, what do you think? Um, I'm I'm glad that it's going to be much more traditional and not this cockamamie, you know, the president's in charge of marketing and all the, basically the stuff oh, that, Val was- that Val Camillo's that Val Camillo is supposed to be in charge of.
2: Mm-hmm. I think that Keith Jones has, you know, he is not going to have a bullshit filter here. He is, he is not going to be like okay. I'm just going to go along with this. He, I've I've seen his personality, you know, on the radio for years here and stuff, where the curtain is pulled back and he thinks like us. He's not going to be embarrassed by this shit. He's been analyzing, you know, the horseshit play. He's for, watched him every single years. night
1: as a television broadcaster.
2: Yeah, he's been tortured with them. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I don't think he's going to let things sit in the way that Chuck Fletcher did. And that gets I me mean, to my next point is. The one thing that that does bother me so far with this structure is that the sins of the prior regime are still being left unpunished. And what I, what I mean by that is the only person that has exited here is Chuck Fletcher. So we still have everybody from the prior regime still here in the front office that contributed to all these decisions, which we talked about a couple weeks ago. The entire roster is exactly the same. There's been no movement, which is understandable because nothing happens till the official offseason. But I want to see some heads roll from all the stupid decisions that happened. And if Danny and Keith do that this summer, I will feel validated. I will accept them more so. I will trust them in that they know what they are doing in terms of I want to see turnover in the front office and I want to see a lot of turnover on the roster. If they do those two things, I will be happy. If they let things stay as they are, then those previous sins remain unpunished, and that will infuriate me by the end of the summer.
1: Yep. Actions are going to speak significantly louder than words here. You know, this empty fucking promise-filled political fucking propaganda bullshit they ran today at this press conference, it's great. And if this is the kind of thing that fucking gets you there, more power to you. But at the end of the day, you know, this rah-rah bullshit promotional stuff, I don't care. You know, I'm not going to listen to this press conference and go, everything's fucking fixed. And then then sit on their fucking thumb all summer long. You know, the action is what needs to be there to make this happen. And you alluded to the front office construction. And I want to bring this up because I thought it was fascinating. Wednesday night, when the Keith Jones rumors uh, first started, I ended up putting a screenshot on Twitter from the Flyers website. And. All four of the senior advisors, Clark, Barber, Holmgren, and Lombardi, are still listed on the website. They are right now. I have it pulled up right now. All four of them are still listed as senior advisors on the website. Now, somebody asked Bill Meltzer on Twitter in a reply, uh, Bill, uh, any mention of the senior advisors? I wish they were gone in the future endeavor. Bill, I, I agree with you, but the three franchise icons no longer have positions in the organization, is what Bill Meltzer said on Twitter today. And I believe Charlie O'Connor was asked a similar question, and he said that they were not present, but he did not know the fate of them, Um, which is interesting. Now, it is totally, um, the Flyers are not very good at updating their website. That is true. Chuck Fletcher yeah. was listed as employed for weeks after he was fired. And, <laughs> yeah. uh, we called that out on a show, I think. Yeah, we called it on the show. And uh, the guy who died, I can't even think of his name, whatever it was, he was listed on the website for uh, quite a few weeks there after his passing. Oh,
2: their legal counsel. Yeah, legal you know.
1: guy. Yeah. Yeah. So it is possible that they're gone. But I thought – bill I mean, Bill Meltzer, of all fucking people, is not going to lie about something like that, right? You know, he, he, if they're gone, they're probably gone. But, it, you know – Is it just kind of swept under the rug? Where's Dean Lombardi? He said three franchise icons. And ironically enough, if fucking Lombardi is still employed, he by fucking far has the most experience in that front office. (laughs) Listen, if if you are a long time listener to the show, you know I'm no fucking fan of Dean Lombardi and what this asshole has done in Philadelphia over the last fucking 10 years. But... Still has all the experience. Still clearly knows what he's doing when it comes to rebuilding franchises. So, you know, if he's still here, if he's not, I have no idea. But uh, some some official word on whether or not these guys are actually employed by this team would be um, would be nice right about now. Because that's an interesting one in all of this. Brent Flair, as far as we know, he's still here as well.
2: So That wasn't addressed at the press conference, was it? Like not officially. Those advisors no. weren't brought up because I, re- I watched it a few hours ago and don't remember hearing about that at nope. all.
0: Isn't it incredibly amazing that the Flyers can come up with an app for Chuck Fletcher to make all of his decisions for him about who to draft, who to trade, what's value, what's proper value, what's this, what's that, salary cap implication? But they can't update a freaking website. Yeah, <laughs> no. I find that that that's pretty pretty hilarious. But in in truth, I think that this the overarching mood and tone of this press conference was pretty upbeat. Very positive. And I, and I, and and I will say that the flyers for all of their faults in the past, and there are many, it seemed to me, my impression was that they were really, really painstakingly taking the time to address uh, and say that they were listening to people. They gave shout-outs to Ed Snyder and the Ed Snyder family multiple times in that press conference. They they shouted out the alumni and Brad Marsh multiple times. They went and they talked about analytics. They talked about the eye test. They were trying... It was like a freaking, like, let's get everybody <laughs> were, in yep. the Flyers' Checking tent. as many boxes as they could, yeah. It is. And that tells me that this was very... Uh, rehearsed that this was something that those very conscious and on their minds, they really wanted to show people that, Hey, we know what you guys are all talking about. We know your concerns. We're here. We're, we were listening. We understand everything that you're saying. And for John Tortorella even to interject when he did. And he said, you know, I don't understand all these people that say, well, we only hire flyer people that tells you that the organization is listening and keeping tabs. Mm-hmm. And I thought that they made that very clear that that's what they're doing. So I don't know. I just thought that that was interesting that that's the tone and tenor uh, that they used at the press conference today.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think just looking at it from a production standpoint, I mean, this was this was the most organized and well-communicated yep. press conference this team has probably had since they announced Eric Lindros in the 90s. I mean, literally. Everything actually went very smoothly. It was well coordinated, uh, was well produced. I mean, they actually had a camera guy that was focusing on different people at different times, and there was an order to what was going on. I, I've never seen that. Usually, they're you know forty-five minutes late. The feed doesn't work. You know, <laughs> the John audio Corterello doesn't is, work. Yeah, the audio doesn't work. <laughs> Have John Tortorello doing a press conference forty five minutes earlier than Chuck Fletcher. They're saying different things or never sitting it's, it's just a total mess. Jerry Mayhew. Everyone, <laughs> yeah, I'm talking about fucking <laughs> Jerry Mayhew. And finally, for once in, in thirty years, we actually have an executive group sitting at the same table at the same time, answering questions and speaking from what seems to be the same script. I mean, it's it's a pretty low bar, it's very basic. When it comes to running a C-suite and an executive management group, but they finally did it. It took 30 years, but they've done it, and it's at least one one step in the right direction, I think.
1: It was a united, coherent, confident group of people <laughs> all on the same page promoting the same thing, you know, in in, in that sense from a public eye. You know, it definitely helps a little bit, especially when the last, you know, 12 months, especially of press conferences, have been so goddamn bizarre, you know? Probably fucking year and a half at this point where it's just been a complete mess. So having that is definitely good. They seem to be handling this with some level of legitimacy, which is good. I I do think they realize how shitty of an image they held here and are trying their goddamnedest to put on the best front forward, which, you know, is good that there's some semblance of leadership now. And I I think one of the interesting points that I saw quite a few people make was how often are we going to hear from Breer and Keith Jones moving forward? Mm -hmm. You know, when you had Chuck Fletcher who talked to the media three to four times a year, right? The trade deadline, free agency, the fucking uh, uh, draft, and then some one time in like halfway through the year to let us know that Ryan Ellis isn't coming back, right? he's still a long-term injury reserve, goddammit! But, you know, at the end of the day, Those two having this message, and again, I feel like this is kind of what the original president role was for, was to be forward, you know, and if you can have three guys here in Jones, Briere, and Tortorella that are all very good at handling the media, you know, and can produce a semi-similar message amongst all three of them and be straightforward, which is another big point, not fucking lying to our faces at every opportunity they get, you know, they do have an opportunity to paint this organization in a much better, more proper professional light than they've been in for a long time, which could definitely help the morale of the fans if we have a slight inkling of what the fuck that their goal is, what they're trying to do. And, you know, again, if they can let those words, those actions and the uh, the words and the messaging sync up with the actions is what I should say then we may actually have something here, you know, and it just boils back down to whether or not they've got the balls to make those actions happen and the stuff starts falling into place from a roster perspective. But um, yeah, messaging wise, it it was definitely a very good press conference and they said a lot of, uh, a lot of right things that uh, people needed to hear right now.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah. And just kind of dovetailing off of that, Dan, one thing, and you know, I always kind of compare the Flyers, uh, to the other teams in the city and why teams like the Eagles and the Phillies are so successful, even to some extent, the Sixers, but they bring in good players. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's first and foremost, (laughs) but, I think what actually triggers that and makes them go in that direction is you have owners and great executives. And you look at a guy like John Middleton and Jeffrey Laurie. I mean, John Middleton sits up in the 400 level with fans and hangs out with them during the season. He'll walk on the sidewalk outside the stadium and meet fans before games and stuff. And I think it sounds trite. It sounds kind of dumb, but like. When you're an owner and you're sitting up in, you know, section 425 and, you know, the bottom of the seventh inning when the Phillies are getting blown out nine to one and you're sitting next to, you know, John, John Jackson from South Philly or whatever, like there's some level of connecting with, with your, with your customers by doing that. Yeah, 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 right. Exactly. And, and. It may not make a difference right away, but you start to understand what people are seeing and how they're perceiving the on field or on ice product. And when you had an ownership group led by Dave Scott, who was just completely immune from interacting with anyone or communicating with anyone sitting on some fucking retirement cloud, you know, being fed oatmeal, as Manny would mention all the time by some fucking night nurse. It's like it's it's so disconnected and you can't understand what your fans are thinking and feeling and want And simply just to have a guy like Dan Hilferty who said he's going to be out there meeting people and, you know, talking flyers. And, you know, I hope he does that sort of stuff. That stuff makes a difference because he starts to feel what we're feeling and that trickles down from the top. And, you know, he's out there, you know, watching fucking goddamn Travis Sanheim act like a fucking piece of shit out there. (laughs) Nobody wants to see him for another goddamn eight years. Like, get rid of him. Find something different. Like, he's doing things that we don't like. Find people that do things we do like and populate the roster that way. And I just think simple things like that go a long way. And to have an owner now that seems to be willing to participate and engage that way could make a big difference down the line.
1: You got to thaw the relationship. Between the fans and the front office has been very tense, very bad, and it's gotten a whole lot worse under, you know, Chuck Fletcher and all this shit that's happened there. And it is key that they start painting themselves as the good guys rather than, you know, the us versus them mentality that's kind of been going on lately. Yep. Um, and having a guy, a well-spoken guy like Hilferty, you know, who who clearly knows what he's doing, clearly fronted major businesses in the past and can speak well and knows what he's doing. And Jones, I mean, Jones got this job strictly off of his passion in the first place, so he's clearly not going to back away from stuff like this. And Breer is a former player, I'm sure, he got approached for autographs for 15 fucking years. You know, he knows how to handle fans. There, There is definitely a, a significant change of pace when it comes to the, the presence within the front office and putting happy faces on the product and and all this stuff. So it definitely is a good start from their perspective on their end to try and set this up working well in the future is by putting some happy faces that are not going to be afraid to interact with the fans in the product. Crazy thinking, by the way. Mm-hmm. Who would have ever thunk if running a sports franchise you should have some <laughs> fucking marketable faces in there rather than just be cold assholes to everybody for fucking five years?
2: I think he's going to consult with with a guy like John Middleton or Jeffrey Lurie and say, look, you've been very successful owners here. What works for you? What can I do for the flyers in that, in that capacity? I do think Hilferty is the kind of gregarious extroverted type of guy that will do that sort of stuff. And that goes a long way. Hopefully he does it. Yeah.
0: I mean, and he mentioned it, uh, you know, Hilferty mentioned it in the press conference that, you know, he is going to make it a point to, uh, go and meet people and meet fans and that and that uh, Danny's going to be you know doing stuff like that too and others. Uh, he then he made the little joke about oh Torts. Well, okay, Torts is kind of busy, and then he had this weird joke about buy uh, Keith Jones's book for $65. And I was like, <laughs> what's
2: kind of weird?
0: I, I, yeah, that was weird. That was <laughs> the only thing that Hilferty said that completely went over my head. And I was like, that did not hit. Uh, but otherwise, I thought he effectively communicated uh, some things. And again, it's a nod at, to Ed Snyder. And it's the idea of, listen, we can't be Ed Snyder, but we can try to be like Ed Snyder. And I thought that that was a really interesting thing that they communicated at the press conference is, you know, we're going to really reach out. We're going to extend the olive branches to the the fan base and we're going to try to listen and try to hear you and try to interact with you and try to talk to you and figure out how we can be a little bit better. And I thought that that bit of being humble and eating that humble pie was a good look and i and that resonated with me and thought it was good. It's much better than Dave Scott being like, "Hey Doris, change my bedpan." <laughs> much better. Doesn't really work out the same when you're locked up in a in the C suite like Dave Scott was.
2: Yeah, i mean Yes, look at a guy like Hilferty now, and you contrast him with Dave Scott. And you know this all starts from the top. We've been saying for years now that everything flows down from ownership, and Hilferty is at the top of the pyramid, the top of the food chain right now, and he is a much more dynamic type of public figure and owner than Dave Scott was. I mean, even as simple as just attending the games, sitting in you know a suite at center ice and cheering the team. And yelling at the refs like Ed Snyder used to do and, you know, you could look over and high five with fans and stuff. And like just being being present in that capacity is so critical and connects with people because it allows people to trust you and says, you're seeing what I'm seeing. You're frustrated when I'm frustrated. You're going to react in the appropriate way. Um, A guy like Dave Scott wasn't there. I don't know where he was. He said he was there at times. I never saw him on television. I never saw him do anything. I know it just was completely non-existent for close to a decade. I think Barber
1: was the only one that was ever like regularly on TV and they're showing the press box and shit like that. I don't Mm -hmm.
2: think we ever saw Dave Scott in anything like that. Yeah. Yeah. And then you got, you know, and then you compliment him with GMs like a Ron Hextall and a Chuck Fletcher who are total milk toast. I mean, I mean those guys are about as exciting as watching paint dry on a fucking piece of drywall. So What do you have there? There's nothing to relate to people. You have an owner that's not there. You have GMs that have no fucking personality. Who the fuck knows what kind of negotiators are? They fucking sucked at negotiating. It it was just a whole era was stripped from us. And, you know, it was encouraging. I think we have some good personalities in the front office now. I think Hilferty is a much, much better owner and leader than Dave Scott was. Um, Where that goes, I don't know but it's at least moving forward in some capacity
1: i hope that they make changes this summer like that that's just what this always boils down to for me is mm-hmm. i want i want change from a roster perspective i want them to make moves that indicate that they're serious about all this yes you know it's very easy to sit here and say we want to change the flyers and make it happen and you know, I don't like that they're asking for patience right off the bat. That's a win word. I believe Breer threw it around once. I believe Hilferty threw it around today. Like, I really don't like that because that that feels very Hextolian to go out there and demand patience without ever backing that up with any kind of reciprocating move, right?
2: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. If you're going to get the number one pick, oh, yeah, I'll have patience. If you're going to fucking tank for three years, I will have patience. Yeah, and going that's and the get thing. get fucking number eight to 14 picks, I don't have patience for that. Pick you a know? fucking
1: direction. <laughs> If you're yeah, yeah. not going to tank and rebuild, fine, more power to you. Bring me fucking to then. But if you're not going to bring me to get the fuck rid of Travis Konechny. You know, like, pick a fucking direction. And yeah. if you're rebuilding and you make moves that indicate a rebuild, you shed D'Angelo, you shed fucking uh, Hayes, and you call up Forrester and Adder to their full-time roster, and you are rebuilding through youth, great! Fucking awesome! That's what I want, you know. Or go out there and bring me to cat Bring me Tyler Bertuzzi. Make some fucking changes. Bring Team of Meyer here. You know, that's the kind of shit. Whatever it is they choose to do, just fucking pursue it this year. Make moves that indicate you're rebuilding or that you're retooling or whatever the fuck it is. I don't care. Just follow up all this fucking rah rah bullshit with actual words, and then I will buy in. I'll be as patient as you fucking want as long as you're doing something that indicates you're rebuilding. But you do not, they do not, they, they don't get the right to fucking say, you, Daniel, have to be fucking patient first before we do it. Ah, 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 I played that game before. Not doing it again. They need to make moves to back up their plan. That is fucking plain and simple what this all boils down to at the end of the day. That is the one point that I will harp on the most. And in two months' time, we will know exactly what this is after the draft and free agency. But until then, all we can do is sit back and hope that they are going to follow through as strongly as possible. But... Given the way you know they're inexperienced, partnered with the direction this franchise has been in the last few years, that is where this all kind of the wires don't quite connect yet for me. Um, in just flat out putting my blind faith in them, they don't get that yet, they they, they, they just don't.
0: Um, I don't remember if it was Anthony DeMarco or someone else from another show, maybe Russ Joy. Um, but they said something to the effect of. When Chuck Fletcher used the word words aggressive retool, he now became judged by aggressive retool. Yes. And then everything that he didn't do and everything that was completely the opposite of an aggressive retool ultimately culminated in him losing his job in sensational fashion, uh, the way that it did. Danny Briere has made it a point Uh, When he was hired as the interim role and saying, I use the word rebuild, I'm not afraid to use the word rebuild. I think to your point, Dan, is now he needs to follow through with using that word. Yep. And that you now have to take actions and take steps. Mm -hmm. Running it back with the same roster, but with Sean Couturier and Cam Atkinson on it, that's not a rebuild.
1: No, That is
0: not rebuilding. That is status quo. If
1: Hayes is still here and D'Angelo is still here and all this shit. Like, oh, boy. Not and, good. And, that's
0: wh- and that's why, like, on a previous recording, we, you know, I talked about, you know, I just want to see one guy moved. Like, that's how low the bar is. Just give me one. Just show me that you are willing to dump somebody, trade somebody. And it's not just a dump, but it's just assets. That's Get a dump assets, all right. Get salary cap space. Do something. Make a move and not like a, a, a small like move, like a, a fourth line player or a bottom pair defenseman. I want to see somebody on this roster of substance moved. And you send the message to the rest of the team, to the organization that, you know what, this is a new era. This is a new era of Flyers hockey where mediocrity is acceptable they said that at the press conference that this city deserves better that the fans deserve better that it's a standard it's the gold standard and that's what i want to see keith jones said talked about when he was traded from colorado and that he was hyped to come to philadelphia because philadelphia was a destination it, was it a place certainly he was to be. when he
2: came here yep
0: and from the sense that i got from him was This is something that really irks him and that he wants to change. Mm -hmm. The fact that Philadelphia is seen as it's a fucking loser place because it's a loser organization and it's a loser mentality. And it's been that way for goddamn a decade plus a decade of decadence, as they would say. (laughs) And I'm glad that Keith Jones has identified that at least that one thing and said, you know what? We're going to change that. And I hearken back to the example of the Toronto Maple Leafs when they hired Babcock and they did all these huge moves to signify that they were starting a rebuild and they were tearing everything down and starting from the beginning. One of the things that they identified, Mike Babcock said it from the beginning. He said, listen, this is going to be a long road. There's going to be a lot of pain and Leaf fans, you better be prepared for this because it's going to get ugly for years. It's going to be ugly. And he said, I want to turn this into a place that's safe for players again, that players can come to the rink and have fun and enjoy themselves and be hockey players. Dude, I don't know if you guys saw stuff like this in um, down down in Philly and and in Pennsylvania, but fans were throwing jerseys on the ice. There was incidents Mm -hmm. of a fan throwing waffles onto the ice, (laughs) and it was like really ugly, like just hostility. Mm And they identified that as, you know what, we need to make this a a safe environment for the players and for the fans. And Mm -hmm. we have to have that trust and respectability back. I'm really happy that Keith Jones identified, you know what, we want Philly to be a place that people want to come and play here. I really like Mm -hmm. that because we've been talking about that for forever on the show, that this is not a destination anymore, and it should be.
2: Yeah, I mean, a couple points on that. I mean, uh, my first one is that this front office is coming in a few years too late. They already squandered this year's draft. I mean, completely squandered what seems to be the best draft since probably 2015, inarguably since 2015. And they have the seventh pick, and that's it. Nothing else at all. They've got, what, a couple picks in the 100s after that. But um, number seven, that's all they're going to get. So they've already wasted a couple of years here based upon inadequate ownership and stupid front office decisions. So now if you want to turn the page, you've got to sit here for another couple of years, maybe longer, and wait till another really great draft comes. Maybe the Flyers get the number one overall pick one one or two years down the line. I don't know. But they've already wasted enough time where now they're so far behind the eight ball. It doesn't matter to me who's in that position because they've dug the grave so deep. It's going to take so many years to get out of. I don't care if, you know, Jesus Christ is the general manager of this team. It's not going to matter anymore because of the damage that's been done by Chuck Fletcher and to some extent by Ron Hextall still. And I guess my second point that that kind of dovetails into this is one of my fears here is that, you know, Danny Briere does not have any experience doing anything in the front office at the NHL level. Right. So when we get into this off season and it's time to start making all the phone calls that Keith Jones mentioned in the press conference, he's going to be doing and figuring out ways to, you know, parlay players into future assets or something else. I am worried that Danny Breer may get exposed here in that he is not actually prepared for this. Um, he learned from Chuck Fletcher, who, in my opinion, has a mental issue in terms of being able to negotiate properly. Uh, he cannot do the job effectively at this level at all. he He can't negotiate. He can't communicate other GMs. He can't close deals. He cannot do this job. And that was the example for Danny Breer. So I'm worried that when Danny is now in that position this summer and he needs to execute at a high level, high efficiency rate and quickly, he won't be able to do that and and will potentially be exposed. And that will not be good because they're going to have to ride with him for at least a couple of years here. And. The more that they spin their wheels, the further that this goes down the tubes. So that's one thing that I am concerned about as we move forward here. Yeah, that's
1: the big question, isn't it? Is what are we going to get out of Briere? And at the end of the day, this was my argument for bringing in... A veteran guy to tandem with Briere in the front office. If Briere was going to yep. be GM, then bring in an experienced president. If you were going to have Briere be president, then bring in an experienced GM. You know, having two guys that are as fucking green as grass as Briere and G- uh, Jonesy are in their respective roles does possess the ability to backfire tremendously if Briere is not cut out to be an NHL general manager. You know, they sure talk him up, you know, by all accounts, he's a smart guy, a data-driven guy, which is great. But if the negotiation skills aren't there, if it takes time for him to craft those negotiation skills, you know... Mm -hmm. Anthony often says that Breer was not tied to a chair in the background during his time in the front office. He was there for the Sandheim extension. He was there for passing on Goudreau. He was there when they failed to move uh, JVR. He was there for the wrist alignment extension. It's shit like that that does leave that era the, 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 the well can this guy do it is this qualified for it and you know it's a feel good name it is and Jones is a feel good name but there is the inexperience factor here where just because they're former flyers doesn't necessarily mean they're cut out for this job and that is going to be the ultimate deciding factor here and that ties into the action as well is we'll see what happens this summer you know even if they are making moves is it going to be smart moves are we giving up more fucking Picks for Tony D'Angelo, you know, just shit like that, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and and the inexperienced operator carries is a huge question mark, especially since he's the guy running the fucking show here at this
2: point. Yeah, it's the negotiation thing. It's he's never been a part at all of a serious negotiation for a player ever. No, right? No. They didn't do that fucking main Mariners was fucking making <laughs> trades for that fucking level, and then when he got here. Chuck Fletcher didn't do anything with with him, so nothing positive what, anyway. What frame of reference does he have to make to wheel and deal with other experienced general managers in this league? None. Certainly, Keith doesn't have that experience either. Nope. nope. So where does that leave you?
0: From what I can remember about the main Mariners experience for Danny Breer, two of the seasons were gutted due to COVID. Yes. So there was nothing going on. Um, And I believe there was one season where the team exited the playoffs in the first round. Every other year was, I don't think they made the playoffs. Um, So that being said, this is a new start for him and it's something new. I will say, and I've been very positive about this press conference today that I, that I watched literally an hour before coming on. I will say that the least impressive guy That we heard from the sorry the least effective person that we heard from was danny briere in my opinion i thought he was uh very bland i don't think he gave any real insight uh about you know what he was going to do uh or what his plan was or what his outlook was um i just thought he was up there the least amount of time i thought that everybody else was very impressive I thought they said a lot of the right things and Danny was just there. Um, and I don't want our new GM to be a deer in the headlights uh, because as Dan, you alluded to, this guy is now the cornerstone. Oh yeah. Like everything is riding on this guy. And I need, we need Danny Briere to make good choices, good decisions, good trades, good contracts, draft. Well, They've got it. He's got he's got a lot on his plate here. I really truly do hope that he's up to this. I am skeptical as you are. I wanted somebody a little bit more experienced. Uh, and Danny would continue to work as an assistant general manager and maybe be in charge of Lehigh. But he's in charge of the whole kit and caboodle. Oh boy. Like they're really hitching their wagons. The only thing that I would say is. If things don't work out, listen, if things work out great and it's a genius move, but if they don't work out, how much heat does Hilferty and everybody else that was on that stage today get? If Danny Briere, you know, we're sitting here two, three years from now and See, it that, ain't getting better. That's the point that I think is fascinating is
1: if this backfires, if Breer's not good and Jonesy's just doing whatever the Christ he's doing, these hires were fucking questionable at the time. Mm-hmm. The like you're the most tumultuous time in franchise history. You're gonna go a serious rebuild. Supposedly, you hired two people with no experience. And they backfired in your fucking face. That's gonna look like shit on everybody who hired these two idiots. If this goes wrong in two or three years' time, that Not is an a egg on the face. A lot. Yeah, <laughs> they, they, these people are gonna have some fucking questions to answer in a few years if this shit goes sideways. Because it is a real, real. I mean, these are questionable hires. You're basing this solely off the fact that we love the Flyers and we want to bring them back. To what they were great, but you don't have any experience. And if they do not have that experience when push comes to shove and the pressure's on at the fucking, uh, you know, draft table and dra- trade deadline day, what do we got here? You know, and that is a fascinating little point that I have thought about as well is, yep. you know, if this goes wrong, boy, we're going to have some questions to answer here because you hired really bad, poor choices at a time when you had all this experience with somebody like fucking Ray Shiro out there and it was out of fucking overall two franchises.
0: See, and that's kind of where I'm getting at is I think that the fan base is going to be very forgiving. Yep. Um, And I think that some a lot of people out there are a little bit uh, disillusioned and they think that we're going to be pretty good next year or at least contending next year for a playoff spot. And I don't see that. But the bottom line is, is even with his little experience, you can make the argument that, well, we're in a rebuild, Danny Breer is going to get a full year of GM experience because the Flyers are expected to be crap next year. We're not expected to make the playoffs. We're expected to get our two first round picks and they should be. Well, the Florida one will probably be in the 20s, Um, but the Flyers one should be probably another top 10 pick. Right. The question, though, becomes then what happens the year after that? And then fans start to lose patience of, hey, how come we're not in the playoffs yet? Hey, how come we haven't signed a big name free agent yet? And I think that that's the thing is that they're buying time and they're they're betting. They're putting all the chips in the middle of the table saying, don't worry. We got another three years now. And in the next three years, there's no way shit's going to be as bad as it is right now.
2: (laughs) Exactly right,
0: And you know what? It's a fair bet. It is a fair bet that it's not going to be as bad as this. But the thing is, is if if all we get our first round playoff exits, you know, three, four, five years from now, that's not going to be good enough. We're supposed yeah. to try to win a Stanley Cup. That's the goal.
2: Yeah, and even if they don't do, you know, even when they get to the playoffs, if they don't get fran- at least one franchise player over the next three years that's going to be the worst of it all. Cause there's just no hope there. It's like, okay, we're, we're a playoff bubble team with a bunch of second line players, you know, like that isn't good enough here. You need to get franchise level players that people can say, look, this is the guy that I want to give an eight year contract to when his ELC is up. Like they don't have a single one of them, not fucking one. And if they think that cutter Gautier and number seven this year are going to do that, I got news for him. That is a big-ass gamble because those players may or may not be at that level. I think they probably will be supplemental players, most likely. But to make them the cornerstone of your franchise, the selling point for the next generation of Cutter Gautier and number seven this year, uh uh-uh, ain't gonna fly. You gotta do better than that. Not a fucking rebuild at all. That is a middling, half-assed, Fucking approach that they've been doing for the Past nine or ten years and everybody Fucking knows it so they better do Better than that figure out a way to do It you wasted the past decade You wasted a generational draft this Year what are you going to do now I don't know I have no idea what They're going to do but they're fucked I think They are fucked in terms of getting Players like that they're not going to sign a free Agent and they're not going to pick at the top of the draft So where the fuck does that leave you flyers (laughs) It's what I open the show
1: with and it's what we'll close the show with here is this was a smart hire for this team because it takes the pressure off because nobody's going to fucking question Danny Breer anytime soon. You bought yourself two or three years of good grace solely based off the name Breer and Jones. So from that organizational standpoint, you know, whatever ends up happening here. You did buy yourself a quite, you know, a substantial amount of time to do whatever it is they're going to do. Now, whether they do anything is the big question. You know, it's the Ron Hextall aspect of this whole thing. We love this guy as a player. He's preaching patience and a message. We can't turn on him yet. You know, it took fucking five years for people to question that guy. So, that is the um, the intrigue here. Is you bought yourself some good grace with Briere, but does this guy? live up to the hype. Can he do the job? And that'll be... That'll be what we have to look forward to over the summer here. And, uh... You know, we still got, what, fucking six weeks until the draft? Seven, eight weeks until the fucking free agency? God, this year's going slow. But, uh, we'll, um... Wrap up this first hour here. And, um... Christ Almighty, this goes up what Sunday, Shane on Monday. I'm sure we'll try and get a whole bunch of people back over the next few weeks to get the rest of the team's thoughts on all these um, moves, hirings, and whatnot. But uh, at Dan the Flyer fan, at Brotherly Puck, at Brotherly underscore pod. Plenty of shit, on the, uh, pl- shit up on the website, brotherlypuck.com. Check that out. And uh, Manny, where can people find you on Twitter?
0: At Manny Benavides on Twitter.
2: Mike, you can find me on Twitter at flyer underscore AF. Um, we're going to be commenting extensively on this new restructuring of the Flyers front office, what they're doing this off season. So let's interact, send me some messages and we'll keep it rolling.
1: All right, everyone until next time. Goodbye and good nights.